Hello and welcome to the Gas Giants. The last station on the stop and the first station in your hearts. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, welcome. Tonight, we're going to be, or whatever time it is with you, we're going to be looking at Kevin Mitnick's book, Ghost in the Wires. The Adventures of the World's Most Wanted Hacker. Yeah, was was Kevin Mitnick familiar to you at all when we... Not at all, no. Um, now we should uh, we should just explain a few things here, yeah. because uh, Tom is really the the computer expert, and I sort of hit things until something works. Well, that's what um, we all do, really. <laughs> yeah, <true>. well. <laughs> but um, actually, I found this this book uh, a very sort of interesting proposition because. Uh, the thing is, to some of our audience, they will never have had to have uh, deal with the kind of technology that Mitnick's talking about. There's a good portion of our audience who will never have had to have uh, dealt with a, an internet dial-up, for instance. Right. Yeah. It's a bit old, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it, it covers quite a few years, though. But going hmm. back all the, all the way to when... You know, dial telephones and then uh, and multi-tone oh. dialing and 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 um, playing around with 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 telephone networks by using by you know making noises into them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a bit old, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, do you think we have young enough audience? Like, I guess some people mm. maybe. According to the analytics on um, Spotify, we actually do have some younger audience members. You are also welcome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also, yeah, um, I don't know which um, which medium you're all listening to this on. I should just put in a quick plug here that we are on Spotify and various other uh, podcasts platforms. But if you follow along on uh, Substack, gasgiants.substack.com, then you will have access to our show notes page which has lots of links to articles, uh, YouTube videos, stuff like that. Yeah. Bonus material, you might call it. Well, yes. I, I don't know if anybody would view our material as a bonus, but... <laughs> well, I call it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the book opens with... Uh, with it's, it, it's actually... It's a, it's an autobiography, isn't it? Yes. Uh, it, it's a, it, it's the story of a, a, a particular part of his life, but yes, it's got some autobiographical stuff in there too. Yeah. It's also got a, um, you know, a ghostwriter there. Um, yeah, and that that's fully acknowledged both in the front cover and in the in the text. Hmm. Uh, uh, how do how do I describe this? This is uh, it. What's Interesting about the book. Oh, sorry. Well, no, there's lots of things that's interesting about the book. But what I really am burning to ask you is that I, when I had listened to this again, mm. um, I got, well, I got the audio book and I actually listened to it together with Ava because she wanted to listen to it too. And we, had, we enjoyed uh -huh. actually sort of sitting down and listening to an audio book together, which is kind uh -huh. of nice. Um, by the way, you can play solitaire on the computer and listen to an audio book at the same time very successfully. Right, so wow. it's actually a good way of uh, of listening because you know if you're listening to it, you can get a little bit restless with your limbs, but you know, mm. play solitaire, 
it's just just different enough uh, so you can completely listen to the book at the same time. And uh-huh. also solitaire is just that easy, you know. But anyway, there was. it struck me that there were many passages in here that were beyond what I think that you would follow along in, in terms of the technical aspects. And yes. I wondered whether or not that was a bother and, and spoiled it all for you. Mm. Well, uh no no i don't think it did mm. uh i mean there were there were pages which i had to sort of you know pass pass over because mm. i didn't quite understand any of the background to this but the thing is that um <clears throat> we should we should uh, explain this a little bit better um Mitnick's uh technique because he was he was somebody who wanted to hack into computer systems yes and he'd done he'd done this from uh, quite an early age, and the uh, the internet kind of kind of arrived when he more or less at the right time when he was a teenager. Yeah, and he was uh, he was very gifted at this. His whole motivation all the way through his career as a hacker was just to hack into the system so that he could say that he'd done it. Yeah. He wasn't stealing money or, or trying to gain any advantage for himself. It was just to to look around. Yeah, uh, it, it it's the um, the thrill of, uh, of can you do it, and if you can, then that feels pretty exciting to mm. have done it. I, I, so anyway, Kevin Mitnick died earlier this year, and that was the the the, the prompt for yeah. doing this because I it came across in the news, and I noticed that he. Would, he had died, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'd love this book. I thought that was great. I also thought that the book was um, tremendously important as a, as a way of convincing people not to, no, to be careful on the telephone, right? To be careful mm. with this, this whole approach uh, that, that he used called social engineering. Mm. I never really liked that name for it but that's that's the name for it but basically it's a way of pretending to be somebody that you're not on the phone in order to get information out of them Um, and you can find plenty of um plenty of uh examples of people demonstrating this on youtube as well and it's sort of terrifying to to think that people can access your stuff that easily uh, you know a little if they've got a little bit of the correct information and then they put on a, a good enough show then they can get the rest of your information online. In other words, a competent hacker can mm. get your stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The question then is, well, what are you going to do about this fact? But it's also seeing the stuff done, demonstrated in the, in the book, demonstrated on, on, on video, whatever. Uh, mm. I think it's an important, an important part of believing how powerful the technique is. Yes, uh, and of course, Mitnick. This was not Mitnick's first book. First of all, wrote a book called "The Art of Deception" in two thousand and two. Yeah. Then followed this up with "The Art of Intrusion" in two thousand and five. Uh, then in two thousand eleven came this book, came Ghost in the Wires. And then in 2017, he wrote The Art of Invisibility. Yeah. 
so he he wrote manuals about how to do and it, it, it that was the kind of the bit that interested me in the book because you have all of these descriptions of the technical way that he would get into these uh, these systems a lot of which went over my head yeah. and then the other the other sort of uh, prong of of attack was the social engineering, so phoning up a, a phone company pretending to be a technician from out of town and uh, asking what the password was for that day. Yes. And often getting uh, getting very, very far into the whole system. Do you think that would still work today? I think probably less so. But yes, it does yeah. still work today to an extent. It depends on what you're, what you're dealing with. But, but no, an awful lot has been tightened up. Um, and I think we've all become much more aware of, uh, much more sp- suspicious. Anytime somebody I don't actually know is calling, I am suspicious. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I, well, I mean, you, you, have, um, you have people who refuse to pick up a, a, a phone call from anything with a private number, for right. instance. Um, which is understandable. I, I run a business, so I need to be available, mm. but... I think a lot less so, but you can see, still see relatively recent examples of people uh, doing this sort of stuff. Hacker conferences are, um, are pretty exciting. You had put into the, um, into the notes a, uh, a link to the Chaos Computer Club, which got mentioned. Yeah. They're, one of the, I- um, they're one of the best early um, hacker clubs. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're they're frequently on the news in Germany. Yeah, um, and they uh, they became really interesting um, when sort of after the whole Snowden thing started up, we we saw how how much they'd gotten involved in in questions of civil liberties, uh-huh. um, and you know, there's because so much to do with hacking has has uh, can be hidden hmm. uh, because so much stuff happens sort of behind technical doors um mm. obviously it's very very easy for governments to get up to stuff that is potentially illegal or certainly unethical or whatever um, well, yeah and interestingly these hacker groups have, have often turned out to be uh, well apart from uh, a good magnet for uh, for some pretty far out conspiracy types uh, they're also often pretty interested in the civil liberties questions. So, and, yes. and so I, when uh, the Snowden stuff got uh, started to be published, I, I, started, I started watching the videos from the uh, Chaos Computer Club's annual conference mm-hmm. uh, online. You know, and some of them are, are, are just hacker stuff and, and mm. absolutely tremendous. One of them I remember very, very well was a, a sort of a, a reverse engineering of the data to do with Volkswagen's um, scam regarding... Oh, the emissions its, control thing. Yeah, to, uh, scam regarding uh, clean diesel. Um, yeah. Which is, <laughs> thinking back on it, it's all like a mag- magnificent idea. That, uh, I mean, obviously, any engineer that understands diesel engines knows that clean diesel doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, it's like... Um, like clean coal or something. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, we know that's a contradiction in terms. And and, and, and going in detail to figure out um, the, uh, the sort of reverse engineered process by, that, mm. that, um, that Volkswagen had used uh, to scam American 
um, emissions uh, testing. Hmm. Yeah, uh, just just a uh, really quality work, and it's thrilling to to see these guys hmm. do this kind of work because they're they seem like very ethical people. I guess a bit like hmm. Kevin Mitnick. I mean, <laughs> all I know about him is what he's said about himself but you know i i guess that's yeah. trustworthy um you know, but he's the, um but but you know they they're um they're putting so much effort into figuring things out hmm. mostly for their own it seems for their own entertainment just just yeah. the the for the you know just the sheer interest hmm. of it all and then sometimes in these cases publishing it uh, so that others can learn hmm. Well, that, that that's one of the things that uh, I suppose drove me on with this book was the the fact that um, about halfway through the book he uh, he realizes that the police are coming from him uh, for him and he has to he has to get out quick. Yeah, and he he goes to uh, he goes to Denver, having picked the pl- the location out more or less at. Uh, at random and very cleverly manages to uh, fake himself um, a whole load of documents, you know, birth certificates, driving licenses, everything, and actually starts a completely new life with a a new identity and um, cuts himself off largely from, from everybody who knew him apart from, you know, very, very careful sort of coded contacts and uh, gets himself a job and s- starts this whole uh, lifestyle and uh, for for no money at all you know um, yeah. it's like uh, this the, he's had to make this huge change in his life just because of something that amused him yes and it it turns out it seems he makes this he does this several times he manages yeah. he's so i mean the story of kevin mitnick he um Somebody who gets enthralled with, uh, with I mean, he's got some, he gets enthralled with, with uh, hacking telephone networks and computers and computer networks and is extraordinarily skilled at it. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little hard to quite pin down exactly what's so good about, uh, so good about him. I think one thing is that he's got a, a, a very, very bizarre memory capability mm. to remember um, details of what's gone before um, a mm. very good sort of sense for uh, for how everybody else does their work that's I guess he spends yeah. huge numbers of hours um, breaking into things you you get to see how they do things and the imagination to guess mm. how others uh, are are maybe following him or setting up traps or uh, monitoring and so forth. But in the end, he he has these these terrible run-ins, including spending time behind Mars, and you wonder why does he keep going back to it? Why does he keep doing it? Yeah. And there are these moments where you where he goes and starts doing stuff. He tells the story about how he you know how he started a, a project of trying to get such and such a piece of source code for like for you know oh. source code for a cell phone. Yeah. And that would terrify me trying to do that uh. the thinking about the getting caught and the possibility that they're 
whatever. The that would terrify me. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. It would make me feel so anxious that I couldn't proceed. So, you know, I guess that's another part of what makes Mitnick so unusual is yeah. that he can. Yeah. He's so obsessive. I mean, at one stage uh, early on in the book, he's married and his, his whole marriage falls apart because of, uh, because of his hacking obsession. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's it has this sort of almost addictive uh, side to it that you start to think, well, is there anything that this guy won't sacrifice? Yes. For this, uh, for this thrill of breaking into things. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly what I thought about it. Uh, Which is very strange, really. Um, yeah, you really start to feel. And, so, and of course, I mean, he, he's not—he's not alone either, because he—he he does actually come into contact with a network of people and friends, one of whom, you know, turns out later to be an FBI informant. But um, but all of these people also have exactly this same problem. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah, they do. I mean, the uh, but it, yes, I think the word addiction is 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 sort of almost better than obsession. Um, yeah. It, you know, the there's it compulsion, the, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But there's a uh, what is it that's what's the reward for him? And uh, there's there's obviously something to do with a thrill of doing something very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just keeps getting more interested the more dangerous it gets. That's not something that mm-hmm. he explains explicitly, but that's certainly the way it appears. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, he comes across as actually a very normal guy when he's in denver working in this um in this lawyer's office he he just has a very sort of humdrum kind of life and he's actually sort of enjoying it so he says it is interesting yeah yeah i mean i i don't know quite what to make of that i mean the book from a literary point of view do you have any comments um i got a little bit annoyed by the exclamation marks. Mm-hmm. I have uh, exclamation marks. I think is something that should be used very, very sparingly. I've noticed only recently that you do have some rather particular thoughts about punctuation in general. Yes. Well. Yes. Yeah, and uh, well, it it should you know your prose should flow. It should mm. be how you speak. It uh, it. Shouldn't be uh, like an instruction manual. Manual um, exclamation mark! Exclamation marks are often there to dig you in the ribs and tell you that it's time to laugh, and <laughs> they can be a little bit clumsy if overused. Mm-hmm. I had this um, sense of the of the ghostwriter, um, especially at the close of chapters, mm. which, which sort of bothered me a bit. And I, I started to feel like this was a, almost an exculpatory effort. Uh, you know, the, uh, he's mm. trying to, obviously you're writing your own, uh, life story. And on the one hand, so maybe I'm not being fair here because on the one hand, he's really showing himself as being right in, in some respects, kind of stupid. And, behaving quite unfairly towards uh, the people that love him most and yeah then talking also about how he feels terribly bad about that and mm. uh but then he keeps on going back and doing it yeah exactly 
I don't, uh, just a, a word to the pros, actually. Um, it took me a long time to qu- to uh, to find this quote because uh, I, it sort of bothered me when people kept saying that the the prose was Chandler-esque. Um, um, mm. No, no. I, no, I, no, I, didn't, no, no. I haven't heard that comment, but... Uh, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I found it in, it in one or two of the reviews of this book that people... Had, and you... No, I'm sorry. It's your delusional. Because there's a, a wonderful uh, line here in, uh, I think, Farewell, My Lovely, where um, Marlowe's getting sort of threatened by a couple of hard men. And... Uh, he starts calling, uh, needling one one of them by. Uh, he keeps calling him Hemingway, mm-hmm. and uh, so the big man said, "Now that we're all between pals and no ladies present, we really don't give so much time to why you went back up there. But this Hemingway stuff is what really has me down." It's a gag, I said, an old old gag. Who is this Hemingway person at all? The guy that keeps saying the same thing over and over until you begin to believe it must be good. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I don't think Chandler would have uh, would have had too much time for uh, for the prose style of this. No, it seemed more. It seemed much more um, sort of like an mm. uh, airport novel style than than Chandler. You know. Yeah, I mean, even Jeffrey Archer, I would say, but yeah, but it does it does keep you reading. I mean, it's a big book. It's yeah. uh, my my um, paperback copy here is five hundred and thirty pages long. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, you know, I I didn't I wasn't ever tempted to stop reading it. Oh, cool. You know, I mean, it did actually. So what keep is it? Going. That, what is it that that's that's worth that effort then? Do you think? It's kind of the the curio. You want to know where the story's going next. Yeah, I mean, it's and also there's this central riddle which, which we've talked about. Is why does he keep doing this? Yeah. Uh, there's also the ferocity with which the authorities go after him. Yeah, they. It's that's that's really the big the big story, isn't it? It's it yeah. takes the FBI years uh, to nab him. Uh, and then there's the complicated legal stuff uh, yeah. that, that they have that they all have to go through, which is sort of interesting as well. And it's a yeah. it, it's a really interesting question uh, to sort of um, ponder why why were the FBI so so enormously invested in Mitnick? Um, what exactly. was the big deal? Yeah, because. Um as we've pointed, I mean, you know, we've said this several times, and I, I think it is actually true. He never steals anything. I think it's probably true, yeah. I assume so, anyway. Yeah. I just don't have the evidence myself. Yet, yet uh, you know, they go after him with, um, with absolutely everything they have. Uh, For years. It's, it's hard to really, uh, you know, say that there was any damage to anything. Yeah, yeah, there really wasn't. Except there was damage to um, there was there were a lot of bruised egos. Yeah, certainly at the companies where he stole software. Um, huh. Well, when we say he stole it, I mean he did take copies, but he wasn't distributing them and he wasn't making no. money off of them. No, making money off of the, the, making those copies, but he did definitely break laws while get, taking 
taking those mm-hmm. copies. But then it turns out he didn't do very much with them. <laughs> he just wanted no. to be able to. It, it was a, anyway. But the back to the back to the point. I think there are a f- there are a few things involved in why um, the the FBI invested so much in Mitnick. And one clue is actually mentioned early on is that the, with the first trouble that he was getting into the law wasn't actually on the books yet about these particular kinds of break-ins. So if you're... Right? So the clue there is that, you know, these are are new kinds of laws for new kinds of crimes. So, Mm. you know, hacking into somebody's computers and uh, accessing anything on those computers or just accessing the computers themselves, that only became a crime around the time that Mitnick was was doing these these activities yeah. earlier on, and I think that this was during the time that he was still um, still minor. So you know, the time that he was still mm-hmm. being de- dealt with as a uh, as a juvenile criminal. Mm. So, in that situation, you've got to think that the that the the law enforcement is is in the process of gearing up. So yeah. they don't yet know how to investigate and prosecute these crimes there's a lot of there's a lot of technical computer stuff a lot of technical legal stuff that they're yeah. going to have to become skilled at oh. in order to make it all work and i think that the other aspect of so they weren't they weren't that great at it so that's one one yeah. part of it he was he was just a lot better at being a criminal than they were at being a, uh, a being crime uh, yeah. crime stoppers uh, or policemen, let's say. On. The other part of it is that since this was fairly new, and since uh, Mitnick at, cert- at a certain point actually got in the news, in other words, got some some yeah. re- some real public notice, he became one of uh, he became uh, somebody that they wanted to make a, a show out of. Yeah. So once the feds had decided that they, you know, they wanted they want they wanted to, well, we got this new thing. It, it's a bit like you you'd you'd made an association here with Kim dot com and the mm-hmm. uh, and the mega upload service. Yeah. Now he was one of the cases, but there were many other cases where um, there were some really radically theatrical prosecutions mm. including prosecutions of minors that were going to go to prison for having copies of movies that they shouldn't have had mm. and the purpose of this was to frighten people so yeah. if we can if we can make a big show of it then maybe we can reduce the you mm. know that reduce the incidence of it and i think that this was this was probably another part of the big uh, of the motive of the FBI is that they really wanted to get this guy because he was embarrassing them yeah because they couldn't catch him and they really wanted to get him because they wanted to make a show mm-hmm. then the other part is you know it's it, it's the, the this bureaucratic thing that they you know once they get set on it there are careers and and you know to be mm. defended and so forth and things just yeah. get stuck no the 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 whole kin kim.com thing uh which i've i've put a, a a link to the youtube rip of the of the documentary film 
It's interesting in relation to this because the two cases start out very similar and then diverge sharply. Yeah. And um, certainly your point there about the... Uh, 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 Kim.com was a German hacker who uh, was actually did steal things initially. I think it was it was some kind of scam with phone cards. And he um, he ended up getting a suspended sentence and and actually started out his uh, his own security company, mm. uh, which was exactly what uh, what Mitnick did when he finally got out of jail. Right, and when yeah. he finally, his probation finally allowed him to do stuff with computers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kim.com had various uh, various adventures. He eventually started this uh, this site, uh, this file sharing site, wasn't it? Yeah. Called Mega Upload. Yeah. Where you could actually upload a lot of material. That meant that you could also actually upload a full movie. Yes. Which back then was uh, was was actually an enormous file, and you could still is an enormous send it. file. It's probably yeah. bigger now. Yeah. The uh the 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 film is uh was made in 2017 is very very hard to watch now because uh you have all of these um studio heads and uh, studio lawyers absolutely calling him uh every kind of name for these acts of piracy uh calling I don't know if you saw that um Calling celebrities who uh, who did uh, advertisements for uh, Mega Upload. There's uh, there's a moment when somebody calls them all uh, like whores, basically. Yeah. Uh, and you know this uh, right in the middle of the of the Studio Actors Guild's uh, strike um, makes uh, very uncomfortable watching. I yes. have to say. Yeah, it is. It is funny. I mean, there's an irony here, isn't there? The uh yeah, copyright has been such a um, such a sweet deal for for the movie mm. movie business, and 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 and, and that they and to find that now that the that the Silicon Valley guys, the you know the, the mm. software guys, then the venture, um, not the venture brothers, the, <laughs> the venture capitalists, venture capitalists yeah. um, are ha, have managed to take over most of it and are making making it. No, they're going to they're going to kill the entire industry. It seems, mm. and they're pretty much dead set on it because they hate people so much, and they certainly hate paying for labor or having anybody having any labor leverage. Yeah. So you wonder what's going to come out of that. I guess other countries are just going to take over uh, the business rather than it being an American business. But yeah, they, the, to, to have them back there, oh, they're so sanctimonious about the. Yeah, I know it's, uh, it's <laughs> but everything it's they do. Actually. Everything they do for artists. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> yes. oh the artists and their work is being protected, and the companies that uh, that back them mm. in this process. God. Oh God, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not even it's not even dot com that's actually doing the piracy. I mean, he's certainly providing a website through, that people can can yeah. do piracy with. But the mm. but the uh, there is in fact I think some validity to the story. It's it's, it's the people that do the uploading and the downloading that are actually doing the uh, are yeah. making the illegal copies on the uh, storage system. I mean, at least in the U.S., that's the way the law is set up. Well, the uh, uh, what 
kind of comes out in that film is that the um, uh, a very uh, heavy-handed lobby from uh, from Hollywood then pressurised the American government into doing something to shut this site down. And the FBI then um, basically took over the New Zealand police for a, for a couple of days in order to, uh, to raid Dotcom's house and certainly to, uh, to, to, put, to uh, put surveillance stuff into the house. And eventually did a sort of dawn raid where they, uh, where they uh, it was absolutely illegal what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 um, and, and insane. I mean, yeah. Well, they had like over seventy militarized agents descend mm. on a guy who's running a computer server. Yeah, it's yeah. What for? <laughs> I mean, either they're either they're bonkers or they wanted to make a big theatrical show. Hmm. They want to frighten people. They want to frighten everybody else. That might. Mm. Can, can you think of other explanations? No, no, I can't. Well, I mean, okay. Um, I, I mean, otherwise you just to, you'd to just be fair. If form. you if you got one somebody who's going to make a big theatrical show of anything, it's Kim dot com. Sure, <laughs> but but the with with the FBI, why does the and the, I mean the other part of the story that's that's actually kind of even more interesting to me is the New Zealand mm. politics aspect of it. Is why yes, why would New Zealanders allow the mm. the, the you know the FBI? American yeah. police, essentially American federal police or political police, if you want to call them, yeah. to operate in New Zealand in what is just yeah. a fucking copyright case. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not it's not like they're 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 busting drug labs or something or or, yeah. or busting children out of um, trafficking. Um, yeah, or situation money laundering or, or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's all it's all very strange, isn't it? And yeah. once again, we've got the uh, we've got the FBI completely overreacting. Yes. Yeah, I mean, at one or, point uh, in, in this case, acting as a sort of private army for the for the movie business. Yes, which does make sense. Huh. If you think about it. Yeah, but in New Zealand, it was. Yes, I mean, why would New Zealand do that? I mean, what was the payoff for them, and why would why would the New Zealand voters not be mm. upset about that? I guess dot com himself is just such an odious character that they, yeah. <laughs> you end up but, you uh, end up supporting the enemies of uh, of him. Right? Yeah, but uh, but actually, John Keyes didn't last very long as prime minister after that. I think there's a. I think there's still an ongoing court case. I'm not sure. They did get their. Um, they did get their law through um, uh, uh, allowing government surveillance of of New Zealanders. <laughs> something that came out of it. That's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, it goes way, way beyond this now, of course, because we've we've now got the. Uh, the internet companies actually integrated with not the internet companies, the internet, the um, you know platforms like YouTube, and Facebook, mm -hmm. the rest of them integrated with governments around the world to decide what's visible and what isn't, who gets mm. kicked off, who doesn't, who, whose whose stuff gets promoted, and what doesn't, mm. um, and you know you just can't 
operate in in various countries in the world unless you do that. Um, yeah. And the the situation in the U.S. is a little bit more uh, a little bit more fluid. Basically, the uh, these companies are heavily subsidized by the government in the form of uh, liability protections. Uh, so what I mentioned earlier, this, this yeah. concept of an online service provider means that if somebody violates uh, somebody violates a copyright by uploading something onto your website, if you have a procedure for the for the rights holder to make a claim saying this shouldn't be there, uh, then the service provider has a, has a procedure for taking that down. Now, if mm. if you follow the procedures and with this takedown process then a company like YouTube is uh, protected. So mm -hmm. the what happened was then the government came along and said, look, um, if you don't sort out, I mean, there's, this, is, this is perfectly public, not, public information. Uh -huh. They made, made, made big theater. If you don't make a better job of editing the content on your website, uh, then we are going to regulate. In other words, that's a threat to take these legal these these um, these subsidies away, uh -huh. and I, I don't know if I don't know if a company like YouTube or if a business like YouTube is not a company if it, if a business like YouTube is actually going to be uh, profitable. It's not very profitable as it is, but they have to do all these manipulations to satisfy advertisers uh, who want to keep things a certain, looking a certain way. They don't want their advertisements on dodgy looking content, and the other uh -huh. part is uh, is the government doesn't so. They're fully integrated now, um, and, and and nobody seems to care. That's why I talk about the uh, those that will, you know, happily vote for one or, or the other of our main parties oh. as being the proto-fascists, because it seems to me that if we're aiming for a a new regime of censorship, then and mm. you know, uh, uh, then 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 that's that it's that's where we're going. Yeah. Well. Um one of the things that, that came out of the uh, out of the dot com business was uh, was him actually trying to go into politics and set up a, an internet party, which uh, which didn't manage to get any seats in the in uh, in the New Zealand Parliament. Of course, the 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 pirate party, Die Piraten, in yes. Germany, uh, actually did manage to get into government. Yes, and uh, were not really terribly effective at all no um i mean even the idea of just making the internet free for everybody would have been quite an achievement yes which i think it should be yeah it was never a particularly well thought out idea in the first place that what that often had no no but I, I mean, oh. I think ultimately, in 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 most countries these days, if people are going to be often the choice uh, uh, of safety through censorship, then they're going to choose that. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, what else can we say about this book? Uh, well, Nick eventually got out of jail, set himself up as a very successful security consultant. Uh, and also seems to have been um, a collaborator on several films. Oh yeah, I don't know about that bit. Tell me. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a uh, certainly there's a Werner Herzog uh, documentary that he turns up in, which is kind of about the themes that we've just been talking about. 
Hmm. Uh, another film was made of the final chase, the final uh, search for him that brought him down. Because uh, I think towards the end of the book, he managed to he, he managed to hack into a uh, a very powerful Japanese hacker. Yes. Who then uh, collaborated with with the FBI and showed them how they could actually find him? Yeah, there's not much honor among these thieves, is there? Well, that's uh, that's <laughs> they all been got uh, pissed off with each other. And yeah, ended up yeah. ended up ratting on each other. Apart from Mitnick himself. Yeah, uh, that's well. That that, as I said, has been made into a film. Yeah. And I did find a couple of other films that he'd be he'd worked on as a as a consultant, and oh, I can't remember what they were now. Oh well, never mind. And then, uh, very sadly, uh, like we said, recently died. Yeah, is there any more information came out about that? Because he was only fifty nine years old. Uh, I think it was pancreatic cancer. No. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the book itself kind of uh, telescopes all of that. It just really takes him up to to uh, to the trials and the the, uh, the legal process, and then get then getting out of uh, getting out of prison. Yeah, there was uh, there was a sort of a fairly um, uplifting uh, story there about the the campaign that the the Free Mitnick campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that really was a thing here, uh, and I think that the twenty six hundred club was quite quite involved there. I was a mem- I was a not a member. I was a subscriber to twenty six hundred magazine for a mm-hmm. while back in the day. Uh, yeah, I I'm really not a, a hacker myself. I don't have the stomach for it. I'm scared mm. of getting caught. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was fun to um, fun to read that magazine. Twenty six hundred magazine very nicely had um, every epi- every edition had a photograph of one or two public telephones from somewhere very very weird in the world, uh, oh. and then had a little very small amount of story about these things, uh, weird telephones oh. in very weird places. Twenty six hundred relates back to the. Um, uh, to one of the tones that was used in uh, signaling in, uh, in telephone networks before they were fully digitized. 2600 oh, hertz, right. yes. You could whistle that. If somebody was good at whistling, you could do it just with your with your mouth, but otherwise you could use a, a 2600 wow. hertz whistle. So, um, and of course, we have to, we have to also mention the, uh, the link that's... Uh, Mitnick's uh, hacker name was Condor, yeah, which comes from Three Days of the Condor. Right. And I've got to tell you, Tom, uh, that was one of my favourite films when I was a kid. I based a lot of how I dressed on Robert Redford. Uh-huh. In that, yeah, the, the sport coats and cowboy boots, all this kind of stuff. Uh, the whole, and the pea the pea coat as well. That was that was a, an ever ever present accessory. <laughs> And um, I actually went and bought it. Uh, I was in a second-hand DVD shop the other week in Germany, had it in my hand, brought it with me, stuck it on whilst I was doing the ironing. What a movie. Yeah? Yeah, it's brilliant. 
is absolutely brilliant. And the thing is that Robert Redford actually does, uh, at one stage in the movie, he does social engineering. Hmm. He does exactly what Mitnick did. Yeah. You know, he's he's on the run. He's uh, He's trying not to get caught by the FBI. He's also... This is obviously 1975, very early days of this kind of stuff. And um, and he rings up a company and pretends to be a, uh, a, a technician and gets a password off somebody, <laughs> this kind of stuff. It's great. It's really worth a look. I'll take a look at that, yeah, sure. Lo and Behold, is that the one, the one you're thinking of? The Yes, Lo and Behold was the, was the Werner Herzog one. Yeah, cool, I don't know that one. Hmm. Must be quite recent. No, I wasn't able to find it either, but I, I should should track that down. He's uh, he's one of uh, of several people who gets inter- interviewed for that. Here, I'll send you a URL. Uh huh. There you go. See, and, and, so, and as quickly as that it goes, you see. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure that that's uh, that's illegally there either. It's just press play yeah. and it goes. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've got nothing much left to say. I was, uh, I was, in, I, I enjoyed the book very much. It's, uh, it's got the pace. Often, it's got the pace of a of a thriller, uh, yeah. you know, of a spy thriller or something like that. Um, the and some really extraordinary scenes in it, like where he's being chased by a helicopter. You know, he's he's yeah. running around. In is that Denver? I think it is Denver, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's like the uh, it, it's like the end of Goodfellas. Yeah, for a bit. <laughs> and, 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 and and you know the FBI have got a uh, have got a um, they they figured out how to uh, follow his particular cell phone around, and every time mm-hmm. he he turns it on, you know this this uh, <laughs> helicopter, helicopter shows up and starts following him around. My God, it's crazy. <sighs> I yeah. It's amazing how long he managed to stay um, stay ahead of them, though. And also, the the scene of his final arrest is it's pretty. <laughs> that goes on for pretty much a whole chapter, doesn't it? The uh, yeah, the whole standoff with the FBI. Yeah, who I mean, also there again, they they treat him with a with a with a sort of violence and a viciousness that really doesn't seem appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, given the nature of the crimes um, and what sort of threat he poses. Mm. Yeah, also, I mean, all the solitary confinement. Yeah. It's insanity. I mean, solitary confinement is so punishing. Uh, He doesn't really, he doesn't really cover it at all. But a lot of people go mad very quickly uh, Mm. in solitary. And it, I I, I don't know how it manages to be at use. So I know, sorry, I mean, what can I say? The American penal system is barbarous. Uh, I don't know how, how the, how the president or anybody in this country gets to stand up and lecture the rest of the world on human rights. Yeah. Get that at all. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it is a curious story. And, um, Definitely uh, talks about a time that probably doesn't exist quite like that anymore, but it has a lot of relevance for the time in which we're in. Yes, uh, it's a transition period. You know, it's the early days of uh, of network computer hacking and, uh, you know, the the introduction of these these new laws and, and how to 
how to monitor, also how to make your computer systems more secure. Uh, that was something, <laughs> I mean, early on, people just weren't being that careful as they are now. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a good read. You know, it's, it's a fun book. Uh, it's a it's a bizarre story. I mean, it goes way beyond what you would expect from a, a true life story, doesn't it? I mean, it's just yeah. You know, there there's stuff in there that's absolutely like a caper thriller. Okay, well, uh, I advise all of our listeners to uh, to pick this book up and give it a go. Kevin Mit- Mit- Mitnick. Ghost in the Wires, and to there's also a new, a new meaning to that word now. <laughs> yeah, sorry, and to also uh, sit down and have a look at uh, Three Days of the Condor. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Uh, Dave Grusin soundtrack as well. It's really uh-huh. funky. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, well, anyway, till next time. Okay. Thank you.